Robinson on. Most people would say I was mad. Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Oh, it feels like April the 20th, 2013 all over again. <sighs> anyway, as ever, joining me, can Ian Deal. Can, can I stop you there for a second? Um, you know, you've... Over the last three series, you've given us all these intros, these fantastic welcomes to the podcast and everything else, and we thought it was only fair that we gave you the fitting intro that it deserves. So, <laughs> joining me, James Harrison and Craig Clayton, a man with fewer hairs on his head than the goals-to-game ratio of Sam Stockley. A man with more front than a Barry Fry team facing a 2-0 deficit. A man with more altercations with Barnet FC staff... <laughs> Than Steve Percy. And Barnet FC's favourite voice behind Dick Rolfe, Charlie Casson, Trevor Nell, Ian and Mem from Bees Pod, and Hospital Radio Man, <laughs> is our podcast host, Ian DL. I don't know what to say. I'm uh, lost for that. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. I had a bit prepared for you, but... Um, oh, I'm interested. What do you have? Oh, I, I, was, I was going on the uh, the Underhill theme. I was going that, you know, joining me in the, in the flesh for a change as well. Is uh, is a man as comfortable away from his computer as an online defender Tom Flanagan in a high-pressure last-minute situation <laughs> in his own penalty area in stoppage time of a crucial historic game. Our podcast producer, James Harrison. Hello. And alongside him, a man who's here to make the same kind of impact that Luke Gambin did on that fabled spring afternoon when he replaced Carl De Silva. Here to make a proverbial jinking run and whip one into the metaphorical corridor of uncertainty, it's Mr. Craig Clayton. Oh, uh, yeah, yours were good as well. <laughs> <laughs> How many people have we lost? Yeah. <laughs> at this point? I'm a bit confused. I was quite nervous for that, if I'm honest. So now, yeah, yeah, we, we can we relax. Had, we had a few, we had a few guys that rehearsed that one, so, as I'm sure you did as well. But um, anyway, nice script as well, boys. I'm what are we uh, doing today? What's the? It's the last one. Yeah, I suppose it's, this is the uh, the wrap up of it all. I suppose that we... until until we get called out of retirement <laughs> due to popular demand. But um, yeah, what's the theme? Yeah, well, I think I think it's just a general sum up and yeah. and, and look look back a little bit and maybe I don't know perhaps look forward. Uh, we've had a few contributions from people regarding questions and everything. We'll come to them a bit later. Um, but yeah, I suppose you know we've it's actually been six months I think since we last sat down virtually that time with with Albert and recorded the last one of that series um, which was a, a fitting way to finish but we thought you know we'd, we'd wrap up with with uh, one of the three of us I think those have been quite fun to do as well they've always been a bit hit and miss when we've done them in person yeah. up to now so uh, hopefully the chemistry works <laughs> works tonight um, but yeah I suppose at the start of them where, where are we all now so obviously we've had six months when we, when we last spoke to the one with Albert was the end of that last season where are we with our Barnet relationships well, I guess it's a little bit of a tricky one for me to answer because obviously my geographical situation now obviously we might have covered it off um, in previous podcasts where I've now moved to Ireland so my chances of return to the hive are about as likely as they ever were before or less likely than they were before um, it's, it's difficult like this season that we're in at the moment obviously we're recording now in sort of mid-November we've just beaten Torquay 
Um, and it's just another sort of step forward in the turnaround since um, Harry Kuehl got sacked. But, you know, since the start of the season, where again it was another sort of false dawn, where it felt like we were getting ourselves back into the right position, and it didn't go right again from the start. It just felt like same old, same old, same old. So it felt very difficult to try and get behind it all again. So it's, it's, it's a difficult one to sum up. I mean, I suppose we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, specifically around like the Wheelstone game and everything else. But it felt like there was a little bit more interest from my side on that, even though it was from afar. So there's still something there, for sure. But I'm still a little bit uncertain about where Barnet FC is and where it's going to be perfectly honest great in some respects I feel as certain as ever I feel like a lot of the conversations we've had on this podcast over the last two years uh, have almost in parody fashion been reflected in in what's gone on and I I won't ask well in fact how many managers have we had since we started the podcast there's a question (laughs) for you those who've done the research I don't know but can, can you name them Curry, we spoke to Curry when he was the manager. So Curry, Beadle, Beadle, Flowers, Flowers. Then you've got like your interims in that Fairclough, season. Fairclough, Fairclough, Anderson was the Anderson, Anderson was one. Local Wild, Wild. When did, did Bassey come in? Bassey, that's the end of that season. And then Harry Kuehl, Kuehl and Dean Brennan. Brennan. So at least nine. So, so we haven't missed anyone. I've got, I reckon. I feel like there's some. Yeah. So oh, Fairclough. I know he said fair. I didn't no, say fair. So I, I reckon nine. Please do correct us if but, we've got that wrong. But. And I suppose the point of that is and that's that since May last year. Yeah, right. And uh, I know football's changed and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's not even a criticism of, of of any one of them or anyone in particular. But you know, I, almost boringly so, we've talked about identity and the things that you can feel attached to. And 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 look, you're never going to do well. If it's very, it's a it's a challenge to do that. If you keep changing things around as often we do, and I know, I know, I, I've heard the the rhetoric around um, we're going to make it not about the manager and something broader and have a club philosophy or identity and whatever else, and that you know, and that's terrific. But I haven't, I haven't felt one or well, seen it lasted one. about seven weeks because now that guy is the manager. Well, I, yeah, you know, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to beat down on the specifics of it, but yeah, and um, so I, I, so I've been to a game since I think, think since all of this, which was the last game of last season. Um, which and actually they, they were fantastic. Um, it was really really good. It was you know it, it it made me feel almost for a moment like, do you know what the players they gave they had so much energy about them, they really cared. I'll actually work out who they are because they, they tend to change every couple of months and and then the squad kind of moves around a bit and and then uh, and so I sort of geared up for the summer and going back to being able to go to games again as it looked like and all that kind of stuff. And then and then and then in the summer again, it was an absolute complete turnaround of manager, playing staff, backrooms, everything again, and uh, and I just lost them. And then they, you know, and then we're getting beaten pretty heavily, and it just felt same old, same old. If I'm honest. Oh, fair enough. I think probably the three of us at the moment. I think it probably does change who's where. At the moment, I'm probably the most back in it. Uh, I've been to three matches this season. A couple at the Hive with your dad, mm. um, which has been. Fun apart from the football because we've lost five and three or two games that I've attended, um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't expect it. I feel like something has definitely, I don't know, gone off a little bit in me. I, I certainly feel a little bit more inclined to 
to know who the players are now and, and follow the results a bit more carefully and you know would I not, not really celebrate a win but but more of a nod of acknowledgement at least seeing the result on Twitter than in the past uh, you know that would be Stockport the other week for example you thought oh decent like, whereas in recent years it would have been just total oh Barnet playing that night um, so that that's that's definitely changed I mean I went to the Wilston game which obviously we're recording it a week after I don't want to date ourselves too much on this but that um, that had lots of positives for me in the sense of it did feel quite like the old days. You know, there's de- decent Barnet following there, a lot of old faces as well, and people who like us don't go so much anymore who turned out for that one. Um, and there was a lot I really liked about that. Uh, but it's whether it's kind of I, I don't know if I'm fully back in and if I feel like it's going to be a, a long term thing. Like it's you know circumstances mean I can't go to that many games that often, and I don't know if I've got the the same level of commitment but I certainly feel a bit more a bit more inclined a bit more invested than I was I feel like I know a few more of the players in this team than I have for a long time um, and I have to say as well you know again <laughs> I hope that by the time we edit this and put it out it hasn't changed again but the current manager when you hear him speak and when you hear what he's got to say I feel like this is someone who perhaps does get it a bit more about where the club is and where the club has been um, and, that, and, that, and that's a positive certainly it's not going to be something that happens overnight, is it? It's not going to be something that where where there's a moment in time where it all means that oh god, I love Barnet all over again. Do you know what I mean? Um, unfortunately, we're in a position where our relationship with the club has become broken for whatever reason. You know, we've all we've all come to different conclusions or had different routes to get into to where we are with the football club. Um, so it means that there's not going to be a silver bullet that that means that there's going to be a sudden change of change of heart that means we're all back into it again you just want to have something to sort of believe and hang on to that means that you're actually going to go back to the club and supporting the club and it felt like you know Craig you were talking about what was going on in the summer it felt like the infrastructure was being built there from a from a footballing side that meant that the results were going to start coming back in again but you put put a man in charge Harry Kuehl who clearly wasn't up to the job and after seven games he's gone and you're thinking oh it's just the same old Barnet all over again and it's it's all over so it's, it's, it's difficult I mean it's, it feels like it's on the right, right right path now but it felt like it was quite difficult to get there I, and here's the thing right if uh, it feels like it feels like as a fan you have to do most of the work to find those things you're looking for. It doesn't it doesn't find you. So, and I'll give you an example of that, right? Ian, <clears throat> you've talked about going to a few games this year, and, and you know, and that's terrific, and and whatever, and <clears throat> and, and 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 Harry Cool comes in, it's you know, another one of these big names that we've got, and da, 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 da. great playing career, not done it in management, doesn't do it for us in management, <clears throat> and you still try and give benefit of the doubt to the this kind of philosophy around. Um, a director of football and it's going to be a different or whatever the, the head of whatever the name is head of football all this kind of stuff right you give you try and you try and take it seriously and then and then because the manager leaves you put that head of football in and everyone always thought he was coming in to be a manager one day anyway it didn't work anyway and even then if you give it all the benefit of the doubt you're sat at home and you know that your friend Ian in this case is at the game with your dad and you get a text and you you open it up and it's a picture of Dougie Friedman's head superimposed onto a kit he never played in. We still need clarity on this. Right? <laughs> and that, but my point is, right, what the hell is that about? I mean, if you're... I mean, I mean, at the point that you just about to spend reality enough to go, maybe, maybe, 
uh, maybe they get it. Maybe it's changed. Maybe we can we can get on with it and we can forget all the things that um, you know that we've covered in great deal detail here. And then you get that and you think nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's the same thing. It might be repackaged every fifteen minutes, but it's the same stuff. And yeah, that for me was like, oh goodness. Me. I think to be fair, my two visits to the hive in recent times haven't made me come away from there with much of a difference of opinion on on on, on the whole feel. I mean, like, and I, the whole thing about the ground being half shut as well. Uh, it just it, it looks looks soulless. It looks like you know, even if it's a great. I, I saw. Uh, footage of the goal this afternoon with Barnett one two one, but it's in front of the terrace that no one's in, and there's yeah. no one in that corner of the other stand as well. So it's it just you know the way they played order shot on Teddy, the cameras are on the high, the big stand, yeah. whatever it's called, the uh, legend stand. Sorry, uh, it 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 doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, and I think there's a long way to go with that. What I would say, just kind of bringing it back to to last week and sort of slope into the next bit was. At Wilston, uh, the goal that wasn't unfortunately right at the death was uh, that was a moment. If you want to sort of pick one, like you sort of said, silver bullet, where I thought all of a sudden, wow, that did feel proper Barnet again. Like when it went in, you know, the view at the ground was awful. You couldn't really see anything. It was down the other end. You sort of realised the ball's going in there, and it was proper pandemonium. People going absolutely everywhere. I found myself that the terrorism was weird. Though it had like two, two like bars in between the crash barrier. So I'm on, <laughs> I'm stood on the bars in the middle, <laughs> arms aloft, absolutely having it before looking over and seeing the flag up. But I was like, yeah, that that was fantastic. I um, think it will serve you well to get used to feeling like proper Barnet and Wilson. Frankly, <laughs> 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 um, if I can add one point, I just realised I wasn't very clear. The the Dougie Freeman superimposed onto an old kit he didn't play in isn't just something that you mocked up. That's that was yeah. a that was a picture at the ground. I feel like it's, we'll be going it's, like it's in the bar. Why is that it's offended you so the, much? The legends of Underhill display. And the only thing someone did point out could be that he played in Paul Wilson's testimonial. I'd love to know. Oh, I hope that's uh, what it is. Well, I really hope that's what it is. And I've said that we will hold I our really hands up. I really hope that's, that's, that's what it is. Oh, God, I, that would be so much easier for me. We had a mixed response to the Twitter. Someone was saying they're convinced it's a picture of McLeish they've seen with Freeman's head. Others are less sure. But no one seems to know. So if anyone has any record of the Paul Wilson testimonial, we don't have that on the website, unfortunately. Did Friedman play? If he did, that will give us closure on a very important issue to us, if no one else. Um, going back to, to Wilson and everything else, I wanted to say we can labour the point of the game and what happened and everything else. The bizarre decision I was able to keep on the pitch at the end was one thing which uh, stood out a bit. I'm not sure what Brennan hoped to get to get from that. But uh, what it did show to us is how hated we are by uh, those folk from North West London um, and uh, they gave us the rather amusing name that I didn't know before of the Cuckoos, which uh, <laughs> I very much enjoyed, or the, the Cuckoo Banter yeah. uh, from from Wilson, who are very, very active within our social media realm uh, over the last couple of weeks or whatever. And they have been previously too. Um, now, to me, I didn't know anything about Wilson. I, in fact, I saw something on Twitter of one of the younger lads who goes to Barnet now. It seemed like quite a good group of, I think, sort of carrying on what we do. And shared a video of someone he'd taken over his shoulder who was on on Wikipedia looking up Wildston at the ground. And I think it had that sort of Snapchat banner across it going, man doesn't even know who Wildston are, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Um, but quite apt as well, because until this season, I can't say I've ever really, apart from that little bloke who says you want some, I've, Wildstone are not someone that have been in my 
on my periphery ever before as a Barnet fan. And it's interesting to see this supposed rivalry, which unless you're over 40 and remember the old days, I certainly wouldn't consider Wilson's arrival for Barnet. I don't know how it put you to on that one. I just find the whole thing incredibly embarrassing and regrettable, if I'm honest. It's... um. No, I, I, uh, I've got so many reflections of this. So the, the one of them is that when I started going to the football, going to see Barnet play in the mid-90s, you know, we had the luxury of being able to hate teams like Leighton Orient and Fulham. Fulham, yeah. <laughs> you know, clubs like that. Um, and uh, I, I didn't know how lucky I was, you know. And, uh, you know, in the, with opal fruits and the tea huts. and It was a, it was a much more honest time. Um Anyway, the um, but that so that you had those kind of rivalries and uh, and then I I still sort of a little bit cringe at Stevenage as a as a rival, which you know they might even argue we're not really anymore because they probably feel so much ahead of us. But that felt difficult to get my head around, you know. And then and then the El- Enfield thing was a bit of a joke. And then this Wildstone thing, it's just like I'm, I. Don't like anything about Wildstone. Like, not, you know, I'm sure the people are terrific, but I don't like... Quite weird. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm sure there's some good ones. There's good ones everywhere. But I just don't... But I feel so indifferent towards it all. And, uh, and like, you know, the, the ones who have got a genuine gripe with the whole ground situation sort of feels fair. <laughs> you know, feels pretty legitimate to be cross about that situation. I don't know the details, but I can see why they might be a little bit miffed. Um... I thought it was weird when they sort of came for us a little bit. Like, is in us, the downhill second half thing. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the, I think the live tweeting from the ground with some of the content in no, there not might, that might, have go, might have goaded it slightly. Yeah, so not I then, but orig- originally when we put stuff out about the Hive, we did a Hive episode, I think. But I think I think that they would probably feel quite sensitive about the Hive situation anyway, obviously, because the, so the, the, the whole... Uh, circumstances behind it I, I have to say from my perspective obviously being from afar that I think I mentioned it earlier like the Wildstone game had a little bit more interest to me than than others just because of that history and because of some of the things that have been spoken about beforehand and I had a little bit more investment in it than, than I would normally have done um, I guess with the with the Wildstone rivalry I guess if you like, I mean we would have last played them competitively prior to last season 35 years ago I think 30, 35 years ago do you know what I mean so it's and there, like, was, and there was some great stuff as well. there's a bloke wrote something on the message board about like the uh, could be right it's like the 58-59 season the two teams going for the title yeah it was the first ever televised football match yes so Barnett Wilson 1946 yeah uh, so, so yeah historically so it's, but, but historically yes so so remember we had you know Dan Whiting on the podcast who's obviously been someone that's going to Barnet for 40 years and there's, been, there's a lot of people that are listening to the podcast who've been going to Barnet for 40 years who would have some sort of dislike or hatred for Wildstone in the same way that they would have dislike and hatred for Enfield that's fair enough I guess for us you know being of the generation that we were Craig obviously you started going from, from birth mm. more or less Ian and I probably started going around about the same sort of time you know you're talking about clubs that we hadn't played competitively for 10, 15 years when we started going. So it's very you hard... You understood to, that Enfield were the ones. Still, you, like, you, that, you, that, you 100% understood that, that Enfield were the ones, but it was very hard to legitimately turn around to people like Dan Whiting and all the rest of it who'd been there and experienced it and everything else, like to say, you know, they, they hate Enfield. You know, I turned up in 2001 and it had been 10 years since that FA Cup game against Enfield. 
oh yeah, I really hate Enfield. Yeah. I really, I really know what you and feel. Failed, and, I think and failed, of course, yeah. <laughs> or so, so Wildstone. I didn't get much of a sense that anyone really, really hates Wildstone on the base of it. But there was obviously the whole situation with the hype with them. So it feels like one of those situations where they hate us a lot more than we would have any feeling or emotion about them. And it was obviously very, it was a very big occasion for them. And you, maybe there's a little bit of it where you get sort of sucked into it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think that you, within the atmosphere of, of the build-up and everything, people would have been... Um, it was interesting, the songs of what do you think of Wildstone <laughs> and mm. shit and uh, <laughs> what do you that, think of Wildstone nothing nothing <laughs> really, yeah yeah but but again I mean and, and I should caveat that with the, like you know we shouldn't that was a lot of the younger fans were there which actually was quite encouraging to see quite a big I don't know where they come from quite a sizable young contingent you know teenage youth kind of age guys following the game following the club last week at Wildstone which I didn't know there was that there. I thought it was kind of dying out a bit. So yeah. I kind of, I suppose you've got to take a step back and not be too much of a cantankerous old man before your time and say, oh, you crack on. But yeah, I don't know. If that's going to be where we set the bar for but, what but, the rivalry is going yeah, forward, yeah. then he's the club you, where it should you've be. You've always got to be, like, because Craig, you mentioned Stevenage there, right? Yeah. So so when I started going, I think Stevenage was, well, I mean, we hadn't played them competitively as the new club until we played them in the conference that season. And then very quickly, uh, a rivalry was almost manufactured by certain individuals and <laughs> certain individuals <laughs> maybe, Men, teenage boys on forums teenage yeah. boys on forums uh, who, who perhaps had a bit more bit much to say about to behind be their keyboards well, to be fair geography obviously and it was a little bit of a perfect storm the, the, the title of the season you've got Fairclough who's ex-Stevenage yeah. Wesley who had actually played for Barnet and was, and was Graham Wesley and everything that he was and said and did it, it, it did kind of come it, together for a few seasons it very, very much did feel like a bit of needle was there but it didn't, never I, I, I can imagine it probably never felt like a true rivalry to people that have been going for a long time well, and probably Orient and Fulham weren't really as well in a, in a similar kind of way maybe I don't, but I suppose look I'm, I, you can uh, legitimately feel hate or rivalry with anyone you want really you know especially clubs within a catchment area or whatever the bit about the Wheelstone thing that that I kind of like yawn at a bit and find it all a bit awkward is that it's, it's literally it's, it's or specifically the ground stuff you know the, the fact that we got some you know negative feedback from from Wheelstone fans who gave us a bit of grief after we talked about him wherever else and I can't remember what we called Johnny come lately Johnny, so, yeah uh, for, well and you know whatever fine you know I'm sure good for them I don't know but I just the thing about that rivalry that I I just I find it a bit embarrassing and a bit cringy and a bit I don't want to be associated with that debate and that and that hatred I get why they don't like it I don't like it um, but I can't feel I don't I can't get caught up in the real hatred of it all you know is that too uh, I think I think that's 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 fully reasonable. Um, yeah, I'm already, but 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 from an amusement point of view, I'm quite looking forward to when the next play Barnet and seeing what our notifications on Twitter look like for do, do, for whatever reason. But there's, there's there's other clubs as well that seem to have some sort of an animosity towards us who like I couldn't really give a toss about. To be honest, like Dagenham and Redbridge re- seem to really dislike us for some. Reason. Apparently, when they played them at the start of this season, you had the, most of the songs in the Dagenham. They've got all our players, haven't they? Well, it's it's maybe something maybe something to do with that, and 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 obviously there's no one Boreham Wood. Now, Boreham Wood might be someone who legitimately might Back, be some yeah. might be someone mm. who who could be a rival because 
Barnet and Boreham Wood probably in terms of the two towns are, yeah, yeah. are quite close to each other but it's very difficult to care too much about well, Boreham Wood football not, clubs yeah, they're not really near each other in football terms until recently and, yeah. now, and now for a couple of years Barnet have been second fiddle to Boreham Wood which yeah. is ridiculous which is probably, a sta- probably a statement of where Barnet football club is on the pitch but yeah like I guess you just sort of sort of rattle around for a while trying to work out actually who 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 can you actually get too excited about when it comes to a rivalry and I'm not really sure there's many answers to the question. The thing is you ask you ask different people, you come up they, they come up with a different answer. There's no one definitive answer. It's an interesting point, isn't it, that uh, rivalry so who who you are against is an can be an important part of who you are. And we come back to the identity point of the club again. Without an established rival or set of rivals it's another piece that doesn't quite add up to knowing who we are. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 could, I could do this for ages. I could do this all, <laughs> all evening if you want, but um, anyway. Yeah, well, we, 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 could, we could carry on down that trail, but I think, uh, I think we'll continue to move, move on. And uh, I suppose appropriately with Wilston, we'll move, move back to the hive and uh, closer to uh, home or home or whatever it is at the moment. Um, we did sort of talk about where we all are at the start of the show with with the club currently um i think possibly we might be in a different place had things played out slightly differently a few months ago um i don't know if we want to cover this one now boys <clears throat> <laughs> yeah i well look i'm not the uh, yeah there's a few bits right a few bits and bobs that were so one of the things we, we've been asked so many times i think by 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 people on on social media at various at various times about who we would have wanted to interview at some point this that, and the other and well and requests that people we should try and get exactly and, and I know that some of this will get covered later when we talk about some of the questions that have come in but one of the the people that comes up quite a lot is you know the chairman at the club um, who's an obvious you know an obvious one that would have been interesting and. Well, look, I, I, you guys are the ones that control the social media. I'm, 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 uh, I, I'm nowhere near all that stuff. But you, but I've certainly seen the messages. But one of you would be much better placed to explain, uh, explain. We had an offer, I think. We had an offer, so you know, I think it was a Friday afternoon, possibly or Thursday, towards the end of a week, late April, early May last year, where. Out of the blue, uh, we get a very excited text from James saying, "Like, look at the look at the Twitter inbox. Look at the Twitter inbox." Um, and it's a message from Barnet Football Club, uh, and it's a request, a request from the club to do a podcast with Tony Clenthos, which, you know, uh, like you say, that would have been a guest that would have been on our on our shortlist, but not someone we felt we could probably reach out and get, given maybe the nature of some of the coverage we've given, um, and given the tourists that there's not been a lot that's gone on there before. I feel like before we go into the next bit, we should sort of make very clear that there, there is nothing... No animosity on our part towards the other podcasts which have since done that podcast. With no, I just want to give give the background. I think Bees Pod do do what they do really well. Um, I listened to one recently. I think James, you forwarded me the link to the one about I think after Kuhl, uh, my namesake with also great spelling of his name. Uh, his kind of impassioned rant on the current situation was very aligned to where we all are. So you know, to them, totally keep up good work. There's the, no issue there at all. The, the podcast I did with the chairman actually, I was was I thought really really good. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, but but obviously you say we we got this offer, and at the time it was made very clear to us that that was a an exclusive offer to us. It had come directly from the club, and, and we were told explicitly. Did they say exclusive? I, I don't know if that worked. Okay, I, I, the only I'm going to challenge. So this is the reason I'm challenging it is because I want to 
I don't want to do anyone a disservice, but I but I think it's important that that the situation is well. I I'm not sure it was exclusive, but certainly the inference was from the message I read that you shared with me. The the inference was we'd like you to come and do a podcast with the with the chairman. Please don't talk about it. Please don't tell anyone else about it. That it's confidential. It's confidential. Uh, I'm paraphrasing a little, but that was give or take the the, the message, and so, and we realised it would be on the to do you know it was a privilege to be offered to do something like this, and it would have to be on the terms of the of the football club, and I think we were all fine with that, and so so much so that we actually started arranging the logistics for us to all be able to get to the club. Yeah, they, uh, to they asked that. to do it in person, which which was absolutely fine, quite right. Absolutely. But again, we're talking late April, early May, when we were just sort of switching back round, starting to do things again normally. With COVID, um, James is in the EU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, James it, it's, it's essentially what it boils down to is it's my fault because obviously I was in Ireland and non-essential travel. I I think I could have tried to flag this as being essential travel for work. Um, yeah, I think Ian, like you say, I think the Bees Pod did a really good job of the interview and 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 they they asked him a lot of very good questions that would have been you know relevant to and in line with our feelings on it i think you know once once that was done though it felt like the the opportunity had passed so when yeah. people, when people ask us the question about oh, okay why didn't you why didn't you interview the chairman and everything else i think once that had gone it didn't really feel like well, we but i think i think just to clear up the timeline of, of what had happened though because so that was the end of the week before and we said yeah brilliant we're really up for it of course we are that sounds great yeah we'll come to the hive but we gave kind of the 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 times that we could do and whatever because of James being in Ireland and not being able to get back. Um, bear in mind the season finished at the end of May last year because of the delay yeah. of COVID. So we said, look, we worked out the dates and everything. Let's do it in the week the season finishes. Get this awful season behind us and whatever else, which seemed like a reasonable request. Um, we heard nothing then for six days from the club. And then we got a message from the uh, communications chap at the time, who I think has since moved on. Um, saying that uh oh you know not sure if, if you still want to do this but we can still facilitate you um however please be aware that in the meantime the chairman may record another podcast which obviously we came back saying well no like you know our understanding was this because of what you said and the reply was well he's recording with the other one tomorrow but i think that's where sorry that the quote was that we can still facilitate you yeah I, I, and you know <clears throat> We were all a little bit bruised at the time, if I'm honest. I think that's probably the, the diplomatic way to put it. Not, not again, not out of... I don't think we're a big enough club to have competition between people <laughs> doing different things. It's not, it's not at all the case. Um, I'm pleased that someone did it, and I'm pleased that someone who... or a, a group of people who care about the club did it and, and did it justice as well. Um, it was a bit... It just felt a bit frustrating that we'd been approached to do something. Um, we didn't solicit that. We'd been approached to do it. Uh, we'd we'd actually started working out exactly how we could do it and preparing for it, building questions, uh, and, tr- and 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 really with the aim of using whatever platform this is to try and further our own ambition, which is for the club to feel like Barnet again, and also for the club to have its ambition of having a united fan base and you're not you're not well union with the fan base, I guess, and uh, and it and it just felt like a really um, and a really uncomfortable situation where we'd gone from being asked to do something uh, to being told that we could be, uh, f- you know, fit in or facilitated or whatever the language was. Um, yeah, it 
made me feel like being a Barnet Football Club fan again. <laughs> completely, uh, completely, uh, you know, aside from the, the real agenda, which is, I don't know, something other than us, it felt. I mean, and but you know, not deterred by this, perhaps for a little while at the time, obviously the summer to get over it, uh, not too deterred over... Of course, summer we thought about it and said, you know, yeah, once we listened to what Bees Pod did, we felt they'd covered most of our points anyway and that, you know, that would be repetitive and boring for everyone else to, to hear the same thing twice, pretty much, and it would have lost that impact, um, certainly. So, kind of moved on from that and then if you fast forward to this season, the first game of the season, the Notts County debacle that lots of others referenced, the 2,000 cans of Fosters, the no shirt printed, all that, all that, all that stuff, you know, the famous statement that came out the Sunday after or whatever it was, but... That game, one of the things that I remember reading online was a lot of grievances from people who lived further away that there was no online commentary. So obviously last season in the circumstances there was streaming, commentary, there was everything, which obviously that was different now, but in the past there's always been the live commentary of the audio nature for people who can follow from afar. That wasn't there for the first game of the season. There was a few gripes about that on the message board. And we discussed that, uh, Craig and I, um, obviously both being London-based still, and initially perhaps half as a joke but then we thought well actually why not let's did the club not put a, a, an offer out or a request out we, we need we'd be interested in people that might be able to do this or was that not a thing i'm not i'm not sure I did we just do we did we just volunteer off our own we backs? just rolled up our sleeves <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> just got, like him caught up in just this? got stuck in like guy lopez in the <laughs> midfield challenge <laughs> and uh oh. yeah no so so we I sent an email to the club. We. Hi, <laughs> we, you know, it's a grey area. DSH sent a, uh, an email to the club the Monday after the Notts County game saying, um, you know... We, Craig's available. <laughs> saying that we'd be up for doing commentary for the next home match, which is, I think there's a Dagenham game on the bank holiday Monday the week after. Um, and outlined the fact that, yes, we didn't have experience of that, but we've done this and... You know, people know who we are, and, and basically, would you like some help? Obviously, it's voluntary. Obviously, it's free. All of that. That was sent on the Monday. Got nothing back on the Friday. Uh, after speaking to Craig and going back to the intro about the front and everything, him rephrasing my message, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just sent a follow up to another email address as well within the club, saying, "Well, it would have been nice if you could let us know in words to of, an, of a nicer nature. Uh, you know, if you, if you could have explained to us, yes or no, uh, so we know what's happening." Didn't really think much more of that. Got two replies from the club straight away, basically. Um, asking for a bit more information or whatever else. And then at about five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, uh, I think Barnett went solid holiday the next day. One of Harry Kuehl's few points as a Barnett manager. Um, I was in Tesco at the till with my little girl and my phone rings, unknown number. And I, I thought, no, nah, it can't be answered it. Ian, it's Tony Clanthus. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, he couldn't hear me because of all the tills and everything, so we rang back a few minutes later. And we had a chat, and he said, I understand you're offering to the commentary. Uh, is this something you can commit to every single week? And I've said very clearly, well, no. Commitment, circumstances, that's that's not something we can do. Craig and I are offering to it for the Dagenham game next up, and then from there we'll see as and when kind of thing. You know, we, we might be terrible and no one was back. Um, he said at this point that, well, I'm looking for someone who can commit full time so it's going to be a no but a big thank you kind of thing and that's why I wanted to call you personally which again I respect that I appreciate the fact that he he took the time out to call me directly which you know his communications officer or whatever could have done that but he's 
he's done that he's made that call um, but yeah and then we, we carried on talking he said oh you're, you're the guys who do the podcast aren't you um, yes yeah we did and I, I referenced the fact that James Harrison worked for him previously and <laughs> told him he's now in Ireland he said that wasn't far enough away bit of uh, yeah no I appreciate that Tony thank you very much for your feedback bats there still <laughs> Just, just about as difficult as it is to get to the hive from where I live as well. But we spoke with one. I said, well, look, and, and, and again, he then extended the offer that we could do this another time. And I said, well, it's perhaps too soon after the other one. Maybe it's something we could revisit in the future. Who knows? But I did put the idea out there in our conversation that what we do with our guests for DSH of, of, kind of you know someone coming on and talking about their barnet career could we maybe think about doing that in the bar under the stand at half time or sorry before the game um, at a few matches over the course of the season before I'd almost finished that sentence it was shut down with no no there's too much going on on match days already um, weddings and stuff yeah 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 so so that was kind of shut straight away, which is a shame because I felt like that's the person to put that offer to that's something that we would have definitely been I think quite up for if we could have made the logistics work of all three of us being around um, and I think to enhance that whole match day experience that's been so derided, probably rightly so, by so many Barnet fans, that would be great. You know, people get there much earlier, they start to take advantage of those offers that go for the really early drinks in the ground. Um, and then I think, Craig, it was your idea that if we, you know, lose 5 0 or whatever, you, you go back in the bar with them afterwards and it's a bit of a light hearted analysis with the player. Well, yeah, and you know, and, you know, this is, this is a. This is more. We're trying to explain a situation than than, than pitch an idea. Yeah. yeah. This isn't Dragon's Den. <laughs> uh, it's not fear of Perfetus. It's Tony Campbell. No, I. No, I Now I am. No, I'm. No, no, I jest. But I, I, I really thought there's, in line with all the things we've said that, um, that that's that's missing, uh, and and could be better. And and actually, I think it was it Lee Harrison that talked about the fact that at Wickham, yeah, they've had a similar situation where they've. You know, got this ground that's a little bit outside where people are used to going to see them play, and uh, and, and and what they do is they get old, you know, ex professionals uh, or ex players to to come and be around the bar and the and, and the fans before games. Anyway, you know, this idea that you could have a kind of like a DSH type uh, interview with a an ex player before a game, and exactly as you describe, whether it's a win, lose, or draw, fans come out the the game full of emotion, and. Whether it, you know, if it, on those days where it doesn't go well, you kind of have a, an ex-professional saying, or an ex-player for the club saying something like, yeah, it was pretty piss poor, wasn't it? Or whatever, and we all have a laugh and we all feel quite nostalgic about the old days and we all go home happy. And that's, you know, leaving fans happy on a match day when they go home is, is, is pretty much the business of a football club. Um, so, yeah, this was an idea that we had. Look, at the end of the day, uh, it's completely... It's completely up to the club how they want to run their their, their business, and as far as I can tell, it is a business. Um, but th- this I, felt I, like it had legs. But, but no, but I think I think that you know, today was meant to be a Legends Day, and and to its credit, I guess the club has started to think about things that would engage supporters a little bit more. And I think that you know we we were going to talk a little bit about the the new. The new incarnation, I guess, of the, the BFCSA, and the efforts that they're taking to try and engage the club with supporters again, because I don't think you've had that engagement between the club and supporters since we moved to the Hive. Frankly, unfortunately, obviously, there was circumstances behind why the the Legends Day thing couldn't happen. It was it's bringing in Roger Fig, who was obviously a big name in the uh, for Barnet in the nineteen sixties, 
But there's no reason why you couldn't enhance that situation with players that have been in the club in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, whatever. There's no shortage of people that would be willing to do it, certainly from the people that we've spoken yeah. to. And even if it is stuff that we've covered on the podcast, people would love to... I'm quite sure that people would love to sit there in the bar, in the hive, listening to, I don't know, Lee Harrison, Gratz, whoever, speaking about their experiences at Barnet Football Club. That would that would be something that would engage people and get people interested in getting to the ground early, staying at the ground late, rather than just sort of being in, going in, going out and everything else. But, you know, I think we're going to talk about the new incarnation of the BFCSA anyway I think it's 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 taken that input for the club to think about these sorts of things rather than it coming from the club itself but that's it I think that there's a bit of a step forward certainly in recent things that have happened the ticket offers for the order shop game tickets for a tenner against Torquay all those kind of things are yeah really positive um, and I think a lot of credit should go to the new BFCSA because I think they are a massive driving force in, in you know it almost feels a bit kind of last chance saloon for like trying to save Barnet at the hive as a thing because you know you look at the figures of crowds pre-covid and the dwindling figures that they were and and everything since and, and it seems like the, you know this group of people are committed to really trying to turn it around and 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 yeah things like the legends they were a great idea that, well and, and again a big well done to those people i think and, and credit to the club for acting upon it i think we've got to be careful for me personally about too much kind of backslapping of the club and saying oh fantastic brilliant because there are many 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 uh, bridges to be built to kind of trust and believe the club are on that same path as well, the support yeah look i mean uh, rome wasn't built in a day right but a part of me goes part of me's like well we, we've been doing this for however many years and we still can't get it right on a match day do you know what i mean and it's taking the input of supporters to tell the club what it what they want whereas it should be really should really be the other way around but like you say Ian I think the the, the new sort of committee of the, the the BFCSA if you like is a is a, a broad group of people you've got you've got younger people on there you've got older people on there you've got a broad spectrum of supporters who are probably representative of of, of several views that, that take place amongst the club and I, and genuinely there's no reason to wish them anything but success. If if it's something that makes the hive feel like a little bit more homely, then I wish them every every success. Because let's face it, we're not going to be moving back to Barnet anytime soon. As much as we want the club to be in Barnet and everything else, and as much as we think that the support association should probably f- press on that point, it's not going to be happening within the next five years probably not going to be happening within the next 10 years. So we have to make do with what we've got at the moment. And if the support association are coming up with ideas like the Legends Day and everything else and tickets for a tenner and all the, all the rest of it, which help to bring people in, then I think that should be encouraged. Definitely. What I will say, and I'll hand over to Craig in a minute, but what I'll say is that the, on, on the podcast he did uh, with Bees Pod, he talked about allegedly still sniffing out opportunities in Barnet and whatever else, which is kind of contradictory to what had been released in the public circa about 2014, that, you know, no longer we're looking at the avenue. But whether that's true or not, who am I to say? Um, but, you know, he said that publicly to one of the people who are now on the committee as well. And it would be great. And I think I probably do speak for a, a fairly decent percentage of Barnet followers, supporters, lapsed fans, whatever, 
who say that we, you know, I would love for the BFCSA to push that agenda a little bit about well, what are we doing to get back to farming? What is, is this something that that is going to be explored? And it'd be great if you know if they put the marker down that this is what we're doing. Then I'm sure lots of people get behind that because. I know we've talked before the back to barnet campaign didn't didn't wasn't a thing pretty much it was it was nothing and and I get that I think part of that was maybe at the time the apathy the kind of resignation to it all the the feeling around the place now and in the last year and some of the things that we've had sort of sent to us and, and communication I think people by and large do feel that the club in its incarnation over there in Harrow isn't what it should be and, and never maybe will be fully properly barnet so I don't know it, Longer term, I like I say, I agree. I think the first thing, let's engage from the sports association, engage with the hive, make that a better place, try and get fans to the door, try and encourage young fans, absolutely. But longer term, Barnet Football Club will never properly be Barnet Football Club for a lot of us unless they're playing back in Barnet. And I think if there's someone who can drive that forward and someone who can kind of be the voice for the fans on that. That's massive, and I know. I know. I feel like that that would garner yeah, support. So, and I, and I think that I'll, I'll let Craig come in in a minute. Um, excuse me. Uh, I think that the first point on the agenda, really, for the support association, was to get the basics right. You know, I've not been to the high for three years, and obviously my circumstances now mean that I won't, won't be going for it for some time. But it was to get the basics right. It's to get that basic level of an en- engagement between the supporters and the football club back again. Look, we've been at the Hive for, this is what, the ninth season, is it? Nine seasons, is it? Eight or nine, eight or nine seasons, something like that. And it doesn't feel, to me, like a home, and I'm not sure it ever will. But you've just got to get the basics right, that people actually want to go there, enjoy going there and everything else. So, so these small steps that the support association are taking to try and fix that, I think are the right things to do completely agree with you Ian that that should be a long term agenda point to try and get that what are we doing about the Barnet move moving back to Barnet on the agenda what are we doing to make sure that that is a point that we're that we're labouring um, it just needs to be held to account as far as I'm concerned just needs to be held to, held to account on that because this was meant to be a temporary move I agree <clears throat> I agree with that point I'm kind of hesitant to talk about this because look in in what twenty years we've had a BFCSA a new B, BFCSA BFCS T wasn't it was it what there was an official OBFCSA there was a sports association and then there was an official one which presumably rendered the original one unofficial I don't know how that exactly I don't know if that they changed the badges and then and then there was a trust and then there was nothing and then there's this again and terrific you don't you know so I'm all for this. I've said it on other podcasts. I'm all for we have a voice for the fans, and exactly as you uh, described, James, um, a, cha- a unified challenge stroke uh, collaboration with the club. A- absolutely right. But it's got a hell of a way to go, right? And 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 so, you know, and to your point, Ian and, and James, you touched on it as well. Um, oh, uh, is the future at the Hive? Is the future in Barnet? I I find it very hard to believe there's a that, that lots of time is devoted to a move back to Barnet um, it's not usual for clubs to move you know homes and grounds and locations regularly that's not a normal thing I can't think of you know there are there are you know Coventry about difficulties there are clubs that have but on the whole it's you know I find it uh, I find it unlikely that um, 
you know that this this move back to the bar, Barnet or this you know in, investigative and explorative work uh, in Barnet is 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 high up on the agenda. So I'm kind of a bit. I'm, I, the reason I was hesitant, the reason I kept quiet, so I feel cynical about it. I find it hard to get too excited about it. Um, oh yeah, I mean, it's, there's there's no indication that that is on the agenda at this point in time. Um, but and also I here's think the thing, right? Here's the thing. So I hope that this B, BFC, BFCSA, or you know, I hope it works. I really hope this is a turning point, um, and I really hope it does something that we've not been able to do before. But I still come back to the point. Well, well, it has to. It has to do what it does. But it has to do it for a while. It can't just stop. Um, we we uh, the last game I went to was six six months ago, something like that. Um, we've had three different managers, including that day in charge. Since I don't know how many playing squad have been different. I don't know how many different philosophies and strategies the club has announced since then. I don't know how many different things have gone wrong that we've had to explain and justify. There's there's you know in a short period of time. Um, there's been more to be uh, there's been more to be cynical about than there has been to be to believe and to get behind. If this is going to work, it has to go on. It has to do what it does and be consistent for a long period of time. So much so that people like me or you, James, who hasn't been for a while, and Ian, who's here now, when we do go to those passing games and we do pop in or whatever, we f- we feel it. We feel it. It has to be every time. It has to be consistent. If we don't do those things, then it's nothing but another label, and uh, that's up to that's yeah, up to them. To get I, I do know what you mean. I, d- I do know what you mean. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to step forward. And, and it's and it's 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 something to build on. The fact that there's something there for us to you know, the, the, I think you know it's fair to say that the people that are involved in this still go and still go regularly and are devoted to the club. Well, and, and, have gone, and have gone through the whole transition. And have gone, they, and they, have gone they, through the, stuck with it. And, and, and have stuck with it to their credit, to be fair to them. So I don't doubt their devotion to it. I don't doubt, doubt, doubt their commitment to it. I just, I think you're right, Craig, as long as it's something that stays um, and is continues to, to build on what it started on, I think that I think it can only be a positive thing, provided the club listens to I'm it. I'm not anti them. I'm like super supportive of them. I think it's a, well done. I haven't done it. We didn't do it, you know. We did it in our own way, but they've 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 done something that I'm not prepared to do. So I can't criticise that, and it isn't. My point is not a criticism. It's a, it's, a, it's cynicism. It's I've seen this before. Not them. I've seen this whole kind of we're about to work with the club thing before from various people. We're gonna make. We're gonna. It's gonna be different this time. It's gonna be different this time. It's gonna be different. This time. I've heard how many times it's gonna be different. The only difference is we don't play in Barnet anymore, as far as I'm concerned. That's the only difference. Um, everything else has stayed the same, and uh, yeah, I'm not. Um, BFCSA, great thing. New era for the football club. Not convinced yet. Not convinced. I hope this time it's different. I hope they. I hope they do get it right. And say we wish them luck. Yeah. Cer- certainly. I'll be there. Certainly know. the case. Um, I feel like you know, we've got to hopefully some more <laughs> some more fun bits to to finish off our, our last last one. But I thought to sort of conclude maybe the more serious bit and. I guess for a bit of self-indulgence as well from, um, you know, the the experience, shall we say, of the podcast of the last 18 months or so since this ridiculous idea and what what's run away since is maybe concluding this part of, of the show with like a bit of a, a thought about each of our relationship with Barnet Football Club, what the club has meant to us, what it means to us now. Um, 
and where we view it probably in our lives because undoubtedly given the time we put into this it obviously does hold significance whether that's past present or whatever else well <clears throat> it's funny you ask <laughs> now I, I just kind of I, you said you were going to ask this question and I, I kind of been pondering it through the week um, one of the questions I get asked quite a lot uh, so I'm going to start with that is you know, do you, where do you get your football fix I think we were talking to Danny Brown, I think possibly off air actually, yeah. but he asked, where, you know, what do you do now, where do you go? Um, Barnet fans, other, you know, friend, friends uh, who still go, where do you get your football fix? And uh, the, the answer for me is nowhere. I I watch, I, I don't know, I watch Arsenal, it's another, ironically easier to get to Arsenal than, than it is Barnet, but my local club, I, I'll, I'll watch Arsenal on the telly and support them. Um, but my relationship with, with football is a bit like this. With, with Barnet Football Club, they're like an ex-wife for me, right? <laughs> uh, it was real love. It was true. My first love. It was true love. Um, they're still able to press buttons in me that no one else can press. I still feel like I know them and they know me better than almost anyone else out there. And it's a fine line between love and hate, right? And when we did this podcast and did stuff like that, I... Like, it's still a lot of love and a lot of history and a lot of firsts uh, there between me and the football club. Um, and, and I watch Arsenal now and it's like, you know, yeah, all right, she's fitter. And, uh, <laughs> you know, doesn't always make the effort. But, uh, you know, but um, but I know she's seeing someone else and, and various other people. But when we're together, it can be great. But, um, no, but, but Barnet, but, 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 I, but I can't love... I can't love Arsenal or love other clubs. I don't. I don't feel like that. I, for me, I'm a, a you know a one club man. It's Barnet. I just. I just. Uh, but I feel like maybe, maybe Barnet's done too much now that we can ever have the same relationship that we had, and maybe maybe we're better off separate. I don't know. But um, and by the way, Sean, none of this is supposed to sound misogynistic. It's a it's a fucking analogy, right? It's a <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's oh, not. Uh, I, Exchange he and she for any uh, any of the various genders you want, but this the the relationship situation is the same. That's it, it's uh, it's like an ex partner, an ex love. It's it's uh, it's it's still there, but maybe too much has happened. Uh, yeah, I I I mean I'm not going to use the same metaphor or analogy that you did, um, but it 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 does resonate with I guess how I feel about Barnet Football Club. I mean. I started going when I was 14 years old and like any other 14 year old kid you you're probably just ambling around trying to find you know something that you can be passionate about something you can care about and um, I, I remember walking into the North Terrace for the first time at Barnet having been to various football grounds when I was younger and it wasn't like love at first sight or anything like that, but it was it was it felt different to start with. It felt like it was more involved. It felt like you were you were closer to the football. You were closer to the players and everything else. You could hear what they were saying. You could you could and everything. It, it was it was unlike anything I'd experienced before at football. This is the early two thousands, and very quickly that sort of grabbed onto me, and I was I was I was hooked. I remember my first time on the East Terrace. I remember my first away game. I remember meeting people for the first time, and uh, sorry, meeting Barnet fans for the first time, and having this sort of connection with people that I'd not really had a connection 
with that sort of connection before. Everyone had something in common in the sense that they went to this ramshackle stadium in the in some sort of suburb in North London where they no one was quite sure why they were there but they were there for something out of passion and it grabs onto you quite quickly I think people listening to this podcast can probably feel the same way that it grabs onto you in a way that you can't really explain and I made friends I'm sitting with right now after fucking 15-20 years of, of friendship and memories and stories and it all links back to this football club um you know talk you can talk about the endless games and away days and all the rest of it and all these memories that you have that you can attribute to going to watch a football club together and it's just it it holds on to you so there's no there's no way that you can ever forget that there's no way that you can ever that will ever leave you regardless of what the situation is with Barnet Football Club now the memories that we have the stories that we have the friendships that we've made will never stop being memories and things that have happened and things that will be very special to you which I think a lot of people can relate to you know like (laughs) you were talking Ian about the Wildstone game and a lot of old faces I imagine they probably all feel the same because you know, everyone's got mates that they made through Barnet Football Club. My mates are through Barnet Football Club almost exclusively. And I wouldn't swap any of the times, any of the money that I spent, any of the hours that I spent on the road after a defeat. I wouldn't swap any of it for for this. You know, I wouldn't swap any of it. It was, um, it's, it was great. And why would I run a website? Why would I want to run a website that does all the stats why do I do all the stats and everything it's just it's a labour of love well you do love stats as well I do love <laughs> stats as well I mean, it gives me an excuse to use a spreadsheet and everything else but yeah, for all the reasons described it's, uh, it's a special special thing in your heart well Ian still goes I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's, t- it's tough to follow what James has said there I mean, I think and I, I thought about this in the week and uh, whether it was all too deep for the podcast but I feel like the cast and this whole uh, experience that it's been has kind of probably made me do a bit of an analysis on on my relationship with Barnet Football Club. Why 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 is this so important to me? And I, I'm going to be pretty upfront. So I lost my mum when I was twelve. That was in two thousand and one, and I just started secondary school. I was in that kind of like a bit like James was saying there, that sort of teenage nether zone where you you know you don't really necessarily know who you are, what's important to you. And I could have definitely gone kind of one or two ways that uh, could have gone down the route of the people I was hanging out at school or put my time into something that I found that I just absolutely loved and felt massively part of. And I think it's the podcast and how much I've enjoyed it and the buzz I've got from talking to people who, with the greatest respect to them, a lot of them are just kind of mid-2000s mediocre footballers but mean a lot to me because of who they were at that time in my life um it it's it shown me what an important part of my life barnet football club were are whatever it wants to be and, and how important that is to the identity of who i am now and in fact the person i am now because of the role that barnet football club played in filling a huge void in my life and giving me something that felt like belonging that felt like i really don't want to use the word but i can't think of it way 
being like in a family, which I know is a really cringy thing when I listen to this back, I'm going to hate hearing that, but it's absolutely true. Making the friends like you two, like everyone else, you know, when I got married a couple of years ago, all my best men, ushers, everyone was people from Barnet. I wouldn't know them if I hadn't gone to Barnet. Most of my guests were from Barnet. It, like, it all comes back to that time and time again. And so the significance of that in my life is huge. And I think it's made me understand perhaps as well the way that maybe I've been bitter, miserable, whatever, about the whole underhill to the hive thing. Because when it happened, I was maybe, you know, mid-early 20s at a time in my life where I had lots of things going on otherwise as well, where it was like, yeah, whatever, fuck you, you know, it's done, whatever, I don't care. And almost like the the grief has happened now for that move in the, la in the last two years. And I've understood that actually, you know, it, it hurts me to realise that that's, that's gone, that's not there anymore. And, um, you know, I found myself, we talked about in previous podcasts, in lockdown, we going for walks, runs, cycles, around the Underhill area more than ever before. Whereas when it was still standing there, I didn't do that because I wasn't in that, that phase of acceptance, wherever, wherever it was. And I know that sounds massively melodramatic, massively stupid perhaps for leaving one football stadium to play another. But I genuinely feel that the whole relationship I have with Barnet Football Club and what it means to me and what it's meant to me and what it's done for me is that deep and it is that huge. And that's why perhaps now on the back of this and having had that reflection and having had that thought, I want to show a bit of willing to engage with it again. I don't know where that will go. Like in six months' time, I might not have been to a single game more than I have now. Um, but like James was saying, it will always be there. Like none of us, unfortunately, can shake it off. None of us, it's the common tie we all have. Um, and I think that's why, under all of this and all the moans and gripes and rants and whatever else, we all want it to be the best it can be again for everyone because it served us very well at a very important time and, hmm. and you know I, I hope I hope other people have that same kind of connection with it and, and that you know it, it can do the same things for other people that it has for me both of you are very powerful speakers uh, now I I, I uh, agree with everything uh, both of you said one of the things that I found quite weird for me was that um, well, my ex-girlfriend actually so when I met her it was just post Underhill and I suspect that when we met I said something like I was an Arsenal fan or something like that because it was easy you know she wasn't a football fan it was easier to explain football like that and not talk about these kind of things and uh, and I didn't really think I spoke about Barnet I, because what is it what is there to say similar as you said Ian you know the grieving maybe hadn't happened yet because of the pod, the podcast has done a lot of that for me same as you and I didn't really think I talked about it or whatever but um, just before we broke up I got a a, pre a birthday present offer and it was a uh, a black and amber uh, map picture of the site that Underhill used to sit at and I realised that you know with Barnet FC and the dates that the club had been there and I just realised that you know even though I didn't think I was talking about it or thinking about it or involved with it anymore to the people that are still close they still it's still pretty obvious right it's still pretty obvious that it's super important it's, it's, it's a funny thing you say there Craig because like you, you talk about like how you were if you found it difficult to talk about like one thing I've always struggled with is explaining my relationship or my affinity or my love for Barnet Football Club to people outside of that bubble it's very easy to talk to you and you about what that feeling is but if I try and explain like when someone asked me invariably like the first time you meet someone they'll ask you oh who you support 
and I say to them, Barnet, and quite often you have to go, well, you know the Premier League, you know the league below that, right, there's a league below that, and there's a league below that, and there's a league below that, that's, that's the league the Barnet are in. Right, I go, oh, all right, okay, well, that's really good. So they're invariably people that will support Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, all the rest of it. So you have to explain to them, firstly, what fucking league Barnet are in. So if you have to explain that to people, how do you explain the relationship that we've had with the football club and everybody else that's listening to this has had with the football club? Very, very difficult thing to do. But the podcast has probably ignited a little bit of that passion, that feeling, that, that love that we have in the sense that it brings back a lot of great memories, it brings back a lot of great stories and all the rest. But we all know what it means to us and it will always mean that to us. And we all have our own relationships. We all have our own stories. Everybody's got their own sort of way of loving the club and all the rest of it. Um, but the podcast has probably meant that it's ignited it for me. And we've been quite fortunate in the sense that we've been able to talk to a lot of our heroes, if you like, through well, this. And what it's done, it's made me really grateful for those times. Like, absolutely grateful. Like, and grateful for things that you don't really think about at the time are important, but actually when you think back to it, like, yeah, I'm so glad I can say I was there or I had that experience or I felt that or whatever else. Like, it's definitely made me feel a massive amount of like, yeah, you know, it might have seemed loserish at the time getting up at 5.45 in the morning to go to Carl Alloway, but it was worth it because of X, Y, Z. Like, definitely. But it's an experience that's not exclusive to us because other football fans of other clubs of other of similar sizes will have had those feelings, but it's still like a quite a niche thing, but it's it's something that meant something to us. And having something having something to be passionate about is very special. Like the Carlisle Carlisle five forty five doing it doing Carlisle on a coach. on a coach <laughs> in one day is an absurd thing to do. It's like obviously a stupid thing to do, but we did it. We won three one in front of nine thousand people in a cauldron of an atmosphere, and it was unbelievable. It's fucking brilliant. Right. Yeah. Well, see, one of the things I've reflected on since doing the podcast and various other bits is that when we did go regularly, I was one of those pricks who... Yes. And almost anything could follow here. Um, I was one of those Just pricks. stop talking now. Yeah. <laughs> but many, many, many people will be enjoying that. Uh, I was one of those pricks that uh, definitely associated the, the amount you went with how much you cared about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I suspect that you, you, you two may have felt... So, you know... That I remember the, the one that probably the big one was that Bristol Rovers FA Cup where they're in my seat type thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. Feeling, like, Where were you against Darlington? Don't know who said that. That, that, that <laughs> fucking idiot that thinks that the people if if you go to X number of games then you'll automatically qualify for a uh, as as a better fan and you know worth more of an opinion or whatever the thing is and. One of the things I've realised is that actually, exactly, you don't change, you put it perfectly, I think. Everyone has their own relationship with the club. Just because uh, someone expresses it in a different way to another doesn't make it illegitimate, doesn't make it not a, not a, a real feeling. Um, that, you know, and, and that's that's been a, a growing up moment for me. To, to, to underline that point, right, uh, you talk about the Bristol Rovers game and everything else, like people coming if you want to use the term coming out of the woodwork mm. for, for that game it, that that crowd might have consisted of people who were new to Barnet or 
had been not been to buy it for 10 years or 15 years since the times of Barry Fry and all the rest. If I if I went to a game now, if if if, Bar- if I'd have gone to the Brentford game, for example, the the FA Cup game, yeah. or if Barnet uh, next year next year Barnet get Arsenal away in the FA Cup and I get a ticket and I come back for it from Ireland, if someone turned around to me and said, "Where were you at Kings Lynn on a Tuesday night last season?" I'd go fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I would go mental. Like, how dare you? But it's it, but I know what you mean, like in terms of the story that you're talking about there. But it's everyone has their own different relationship with the club. People that people that haven't been going for two years, five years, ten years can still feel about the club the way that we do, the way that someone that still goes now does. It's just that people have different views on the way that the club is now, and it is what it is. Like we spoke about the BFCSA thing, they're trying to get people back on board and they're trying to get the club back into that place and if that allows more people like us to get back involved with the club then brilliant what I would say is do you know what fair fucks to anyone who still goes and stuck through it with it for yeah now. absolutely this made me feel that more well, though because before I was a bit like nah idiots like well, nah, well, yeah, we, not, not having it why, why would they go whereas now so, I feel like I understand why but to be fair Ian I think that when when the when it all happened it was a very um What's the right way of putting it? It was a very. It was not an ex. It was not particularly acceptable to say I don't want to go anymore. That wasn't an accepted view. The, the outcasts were those that didn't go anymore. Yeah. It just turned out that they were the majority. It turned, you know, or at least you know, if you include the floating fan in that. No, you're right, and I think but that's why I felt I felt bitter. bitter to those it. that had stuck with it, I thought, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're and, wrong. And I remember a strong sense of the the fact that you have to vote with your feet because no one else is going to listen. They're not going to care. You can't win the. There's no argument to win. You don't. You don't own the club. You don't. You, you're not a decision maker in the club. Therefore, uh, there's no. You know, there's no supporters. So there is no body. So uh, what can you do? You don't. You don't. Not going is the only thing you can do. And actually, a lot of people voted that way. That's what happened. A lot of people voted that way. That's where we are now. Um, and I felt bitter towards people, including my own dad. Not. You know, <laughs> you know we still spoke. But I, you know, but I felt bitter to, bitter, but but a sense of understanding. Um, but now I, but but now I, I would say that to the people for whom either, it didn't bother them that we moved, or it did bother, and they were able to work through it for you know because it was important to do that, and they believed in it enough. Got a lot of time for those people, and uh, your Chris Emery's is that that's that's the yeah. that's the person I think of always. So a bloke like him, like a proper bloke who. Um, no one could ever, you know, he is, you know, he's a Mr. Barnett type, right? He's, he's thick and thin. And he, and uh, I know that, you know, he, he'll have, have had to have had his own question, various things about it all, but he's the kind of person that's loyal and sticks with it. And people like him, there's lots of them. Steve Percy, I get, you know, yeah. people like that. No, fair play to him. Fair play for, for, for sticking it through. I've got, you know, I'm full, full love for those people. But that's been a learning thing for us. We've had to, yeah, we've had to go on yeah. our journey, right? And, yeah. and, and, and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> right, at the risk of uh, this becoming an absolute just counselling session for the three of us, I feel like we should move on um, and hopefully end on a more light-hearted note uh, for our final episode. And we chucked out on our social media this week to everyone who's listened to, for any comments, questions and whatever else. Receive loads, that's great. Uh, I think we'll cover the questions first and then we'll do a couple of shout-outs that follow that. Um James, you've got the, the spreadsheet up, of course you have. Of course. <laughs> over there. 
um, which you've neatly categorised into different areas. And I think the first one is around the podcast, is that correct? Yes. So yeah. Dave Merck on Twitter has asked us, who's your favourite guest and who did you really want to get on but never did? Craig, go for it. Oh, goodness. Look, uh... oh, God, it's horrible, right? <laughs> I, uh... So there's, there's people with, without whom it never would have, it never would have happened. We, we had to... Gratz made it happen, right? If we didn't do that one with Gratz, none of the things that follow happen. Um, I, you know, enjoyed that. Greg Hild was an absolute geezer. Um, in terms of recording and enjoying it, Danny Hart, like that experience, yeah, I, like he was big for me. If there, but if there's like who was like the big one that like had no reason to give us any time and was actually fantastic. Uh, Tony Cotty was an unbelievable one. So. I don't even know what the what the question was looking for, but I, uh, so many Albert, fuck me, but um, bear in mind we've got to answer this as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I hadn't finished there. Uh, I was musing. Uh, Clayton mused. Now I, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Tony Cotty for the controversy of it all. Interesting, Jim. Um, well, I, th- I think there was there's quite a few ways to look at this, in the sense of. People that you expected to be really good and were really good. Gratz is full of stories and, like you say, Craig, was probably the reason why we managed to get so many guests that we did because, you know, he basically went into the Champions WhatsApp group and said, do you fancy doing this podcast? And loads of them said they did. But then there was loads of people who, like, we, we got out of nowhere. We just just through sort of messaging through social media and what have you, who we had no expectation of whatsoever... And they turned out to be really good guests. Danny Brown. Yeah. Like, oh, Danny amazing, Brown was yeah. unbelievable. Like, the amount of stories that we got of him. Albert Adoma was just a dream. Like, the, the, the amount of pestering that we did. Well, we, Ian. <laughs> three, I think, I think three, actually be a bit of pestering. Yeah, there, we, yeah, when, when we finally got him, it was just... The, the, it was so good, like, the, the fact that we got him. I don't, the favourite guest, though, I mean, it's it's very hard to pin one. And, you know, I'm notorious for sitting on, sitting the, on the fence and just, just not making a commitment. But I'm going to have to think about this. Ian, you you talk about this a little bit more and I'll it come is, back to you. It is tough. I mean, I think following the Albert one, we loved him already. He was, I think, especially our era, our age, he was, like, the main man. And then... The fact that we couldn't get him off the call. <laughs> yeah, we had, yeah. We had half an hour of unedited, uh, unrecorded Albert time afterwards, and, and I always enjoyed those times. Any other guests, um, like Craig said, Danny Hart was a great, great evening. I liked doing that one live. Um, he was fantastic. A few surprise ones in there as well. I, I think um, I, I will know my husband. My favourite guest was Danny Brown. I just, yeah, I, just yeah, I just loved it because we. It was a weird one. We sort of seeked him out because. We'd seen on YouTube he had something with uh, Squarey, yeah, a Harlow Town podcast, and then I messaged the guy who did that, and then we got so it's a bit of a, a really roundabout way to get a player who, with the greatest respect to him, wasn't you know the the, the big guy who'd won the league and all that kind of stuff, but he was just fantastic, like wall to wall and something all the way through, and then the the let's say the post match stuff with him was was great too. So I think Danny Brown's one of my favourite, but I'm going to shout one that two more that hasn't been mentioned there. Jake Hyde was fantastic yeah. early early on. He would have stayed long. We had to pick his miss up from the train station. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I absolutely love Ben Strebens as well. Yeah, Ben. I did. Yeah. I didn't maybe expect we'd get as much as we did from Strebs, which was just he was such a 
um, warm bloke. Like, he just said, yeah, I agree. That was, God, I've forgotten there's so many good ones. God, I hope everyone else enjoyed this. <laughs> <as much laughs> as Bloody good. This has been brilliant. Uh, yeah, really good podcast. The second half of that question was, was it, who did you really want that we couldn't get? I mean, I, I'll go first on that, which is the, I say never meet your heroes. I say never WhatsApp your heroes. So, uh, Scott McLeish, who for the last 15, 20 years I've said is my favourite Barnet player, I think that might have changed now because I messaged him originally, we got the number, I think that might have been through Gratz or something like that, and uh, he replied originally, yeah, I'm sure we can do something. Replied back, nothing. Determined, I sent another message about six months later, nothing, and this time he read it, he had that horrible double blue tick and nothing back, and that broke my heart, to be honest. So uh, he would have been one that, when we started this out, would have been up there in my top three to get, and uh, sadly never happened. And yeah, those that that red but ignored message, heartbreaking. I just, I just wonder what an episode with Martin Allen would have been like. But the thing is, we we didn't necessarily push for that as much. We, we never, did. yeah, no, we, we never chased him. But you can just imagine what it would have been like. And I tell you, I want to do that in person though. I I tell you what as well. Getting Paul Fairclough, and 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 what he oh, what what what, what he spoke to us about and his passion for the football club. Obviously, this was just after he came in as a temporary manager last season, so it was it was a little bit more sort of fresh, a little bit more raw for him as well. But you know, he obviously spoke about a season that was so special in all of our lives and all of our memories and everything else. But he remembered everything, and uh, you know, it was the guests that came on and remembered just about every well, single just detail. On fact, of Craig, when we talking to someone else, Craig, it was it was genuinely a privilege. A privilege. That, that that felt um, special to have had that time with him. I felt, uh, I felt, and I, I, I think I think we talked about. It. I felt humble. I felt uh, or humbled. It was just a really weird. It was just a privilege. It just was a privilege, and I and I don't think I, I I never worked out what how much I, what I thought of Paul Fairclough. It was a really weird one because of the three league winning managers, he was probably the one that, well, look, I can't say he's not charismatic because he is, but of the three, maybe the, not the one that jumps out, but God, I fell in love with him on that podcast. <laughs> another, another name, I suppose, that hasn't got a shout out yet would be Mark Hughes. Yeah, very, 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 very difficult to acknowledge or not acknowledge his contributions to the club in a time where we were very poor on the pitch and for someone to come out of that period with the credit that he had and to talk to him was and just to talk about that goal at Burton was just a, a just a privilege as well but James the question was who did you want you didn't get who did you want you didn't get um well I mean we didn't approach Mike Allen but you know I, I say his name again uh Ian Hendon would have, been, would have been nice. We, we tried. tried to, we tried, we tried to get. Ian we tried Ian to get Hendon, him. Ian Hendon was one of a select few who we got in touch with, and uh, they replied, which was always great because a lot of people didn't. You like Wayne Purser, Barry Fuller, just absolutely airing us. Yeah. Uh, but Ian Hendon, Liam Hatch, players who replied and said, "Yeah, really up for this." Hendon, we had it booked in, and then he cancelled on the day. In, in advance, to be fair, he wasn't one of those who had us waiting on Zoom, sitting there, just the three of us. Um, and then uh, it, ne- it never happened. He, he didn't get back to me about a- another date. So Liam Hatch was the same. He had so many requests. For yeah, Liam Hatch. You know, and, and Will on Twitter has said, 
and asked us, you know, which player did you want to interview that you the most that you weren't able to get? And you, we we said a few names there. I think Ian Hendon in my mind would be one that would have been definitely would have been really well, good when, to when get. When I messaged him, I said we've had King Grat Strevens. Surely you're the missing piece of this. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, yeah, really up for a chat about the good old days, and then that never happened. Another one from that team as well who is <laughs> quite bizarre. This afternoon. Dean Sinclair, obviously yeah. the Man United goal. We got in touch with him. He replied, yeah, really up for it. We replied with the time. That was in March. We're now recording this on November the 20th. And uh, this afternoon at four o'clock, we got a message in our inbox. Completely un... Nothing led to it. Let me know if there's anything you need. <laughs> yeah, he must have heard that we were recording again. He's, he's not... We're not going to reveal a, reveal a surprise guest at this point. Unfortunately, he's not available. Um, another one that would have been... Just as it would have been as a footballer, it would have been completely unpredictable what you would have got out of him as on a podcast would be Liam Hatch. Like yeah, what? What good. on earth would you have said out of it, got out of him? Because again, he was another one that was lined up and ready to go, but we weren't able to get a recording time in with him. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of players that we've been rejected by. I think yeah, Neil Newman's asked us if there's anyone who's refused to come on the podcast. The only, the only who actually replied and said no, I mean, the, the list of players have ignored our messages. Uh, I, could, I couldn't, you know, we mentioned a few there. Lee Roach, that was a shame, just ignoring us. I thought he'd, <laughs> yeah. he'd want to talk about his time. Uh, we tried to do a lone episode, which you'll have heard by now, but by the time this one goes out, we saw we only got Joe Gamble. The amount of rejections of that Jude Sterling broke our hearts. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, amazing, yeah. Even the likes of Jack Midson, we thought, you know, let's try and get someone to do a quick 20 minutes, didn't want it. Um... But uh... I, if I so, there's a couple more, and, and and you know, for me, these are the people that would that, that we missed, and uh, and probably could tempt us out of retirement, right? So, going back a bit further, uh, Nicky Evans was one that came up quite a lot that people talked about, and we, look, I can't tell. Tried to make inroads, that didn't we? We did. We asked questions of of whoever we could that we thought might have roots through to him now. Uh, and for whatever reason that didn't work out um, and, and of a similar era Barry Fry I think um, it would have been amazing to have been able to do the, the three league winning managers we did one uh, I feel like we, we sort of missed out a bit there and, and like Fry and Allen in, Fry and Allen separately all together but yeah, <laughs> yeah. in person would be incredible so if anyone can make that happen then yeah, like, yeah. this will not be yeah. the last time of the second half podcast yeah I know I agree I, for, for, for me it's the Allen one is the one that uh, I and, and and Trevor Nell did an amazing job of that as well. But yeah, that was really good. It would be uh, it be so cool to to talk talk to the manager who who had brought our friendship together. Really, yeah, That's yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, in in answer, in direct answer to the question from from uh, Neil I'll ask him about, around I who, who refused now, yeah. to go, who refused to go on, we didn't get any point blank refusals. We only got one no, and that was for reasons. He explained to us, to be fair, and that was Mark Arbour. Um, we had spoken in previous episodes about Mark Arbour. Yeah. And I don't think we gave him too hard a time, given the circumstances around why he left the club. He had a bit of a rough deal on the uh, Warren Goodhart introduction, as I recall. Yes, yes yeah. I recall that as well. Okay, maybe my memory no, escapes me on that. But I think, but he, to, be, to be fair, he gave, us, he gave us an explanation as to why... Wasn't he it was a really polite It was the day of the playoffs. We were not County on uh, BT last year. And he said, good luck in the playoffs, hope yeah. you're in, da, 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 but I'm not going to do this because it's not really the time. Then when we got Tony Cotty on, and that had come out, 
we then got a tweet. I saw. I think. Uh, I think we tweeted a picture of that squad from 0203 his final season, and someone said David Kirby. Always worth a shout out, good bloke. Yeah, good Dave, yeah. Uh He tweeted something saying, uh, "I'll be great to hear an episode with at Mark Arbor. and he then tweeted us saying, uh, "Didn't you ever hear you should never take no for an answer?" So he basically, <laughs> basically started flirting with us. Which, <laughs> which, I liked it. Yeah, we engaged a bit. Um, but then it just ran out of steam. It was no one, one, of those. No it was, one put out. It was like both swiped and then uh, <laughs> never went from there. So never, never went anywhere. Mark, but if you're up for it, if you're, if you're up for a day in Legends Bar and the club will have it, all over it. But Because uh, yeah. yeah. I actually genuinely think that his story would be an interesting one to tell. Yeah. Given the circumstances behind why he left the club. And, you know, there's, there's people out there that probably harbour a little bit of resentment towards him. And, you know, what, yeah, it is you what it is. harbour or arbour a bit of resentment? Oh, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Um, no, I didn't do that on purpose. But it would be a good story to tell. So, Mark, if you're listening, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we got a, 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 sort of on this topic of players that we've uh, interviewed over time. The Football Trimmings on Instagram asked us, which ex-player did you appreciate more for their time at the club be, having interviewed them? And I thought that was a really good question. Oh, that's a great question. Incredible. And I, I answered the first one with Danny Brown. And I, I, he was he came to mind straight away. For me, possibly, it was Greg Heald, who, despite being the record sign, the captain for a long yeah. time, I didn't know he... He's not someone who necessarily had that legend status the same way as a Grazioli and whatever else. But... What a bloke! Like what? What a great guy! Like so. So, I might lean towards him. Yeah, it's a really, really good shout. I'm. Do you know what? It's gonna like a really odd one, but I'm gonna say Paul Fairclough because it's not that I didn't love him. I did, but I guess it was so much hive stuff and it's not a bit of that Vegas intricate. Yeah, the, yeah, way, the yeah. way that ended at Arsenal. It's a really, really very... good way of putting it. Actually, you know, it's the you know, be careful what you wish for and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, well, he clarified a lot of the hype stuff for us as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was, uh, and he just was. Ah, uh, he was. I yeah. I he goes down as an absolute Barnet FC legend for me, and yeah. So probably him. Yeah, uh, for for me, I I thought about this because, like I say, it's a really good question. Um, people like who I didn't necessarily see much of in my time going to the club, but people like Sam Stockley, Warren Goodhind, who spoke really articulately about the club and, and their yeah, time right. at the club um, but I think the one that really uh, stood out for me in terms of appreciating their time at the club a little bit more than what we did at the time would be, would be Ben Strevens yeah. the openness with which with, with which he spoke given that he was and is still is the Eastleigh manager like he's still involved in the game but yeah, the yeah. things that he spoke about his openness about his relationship with Paul Fairclough and what he had to do to try and repair that or, or not as the case may have been at the time while he was at the club you know his you know the, the, the incident that he described in his in his podcast the, the, the depth that he went into and the passion with which he spoke about the club and his time at the club I thought he was great I thought he was someone that really I, I, I like Ben Strevens I think he was a, a great player but I even liked him even more as a result of what he said to us on the podcast so he would go down as probably the one that I appreciated more. And if I'm going to be pressed on who's my favourite guest, oh, God, it's a tough one. Lee Harrison, done. Uh, okay, yeah, nice. Lee Harrison, next. 
Nice. Okay. Well, we, we've got a couple of questions here from uh, on the same sort of theme, and from uh, Neil Newman. He's a, who who's gone? Who couldn't be tracked down? Which we got most. I say Jude Sterling was a weird one. We we tried. I emailed his football academy, and someone else replied on his behalf, saying they're up for it. Um, which yeah, never happened. One I was really disappointed about. We couldn't track down. Toby Oshitola. <laughs> we wanted to do a where are they now of those kind of players. I found him on Instagram. Highlight of my day that day. Message him. Didn't go anywhere. So that that would be my uh, my my disappointment. Who can be tracked down? And his other question was: Did we try and get Paul Wilson on? Yes, we did. Uh, he has a Twitter page. We sent something to him. Didn't get from him. His daughter, I think Charlotte, if that's right, uh, replied saying, "I'm trying to get Dad to do it," and that never happened. Again. In the future, if you want to sit, sit down with us in person, I would love Shatspaw Wilson. I think he's, he's a really good example of someone who, for me and you, James, especially, less so Craig, saw not so much of, but uh, can appreciate what he was for the club, what he what he sort of stands for in terms of his his status as a Bayern legend. So, uh, Paul, if this is this, we'd love to catch up sometime. <laughs> well, we, we, we're relying on Mark Harbour and Paul Wilson both listening to this. I guess the, 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 the main mystery about who can't be tracked down is Rob Sawyer's. Yeah, and and actually, do you know, last week I was in the pub before the Wilson game uh, with Lego, another another yes. support of the podcast who deserves a shout out. He was saying, "Did you ever find out what happened to Rob Sawyer?" And I said, "No, we must put that out there." So please, 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 almost or on par with the same importance as the Dougie Freeman picture issue. <laughs> can someone let us know what's happened to Rob Sawyer's? Where is he now? Is he all right? And if you do all that, say hello from us. Absolutely. And well, and so Dougie Freeman would have been interesting. Yeah, uh, that great. would have been a good one. But uh, the the one for me that, and because we were, I felt we maybe we were never that close. But the one I felt we were close to because we had gone via a player who had got in contact and had response from, but we never was Fraser Toms. Oh yeah. yes! Oh my yes. gosh! Yeah. And we oh. and, and we had so many people ask about him, and we never said anything, but we were. But we really felt like we were on to it. Well, and Warren Goodhind off air was like, oh, you're, oh, you're, love you're, this. you're out in people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it was Warren Goodhind who, you know, yeah, well, yeah, he loves all that. He, he still talks about the good old days of Barnes. He still loves it. He's out in America coaching. Da, 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 sent us a picture of him. All that kind of stuff. And uh, he said, he'll he definitely do it or whatever. He'll definitely up for it. And uh, so like, we gave him the, that kind of grace time to go and have the conversation. And I... The, and we Instagrammed him. The Ruth both of, of us. Think. Well, I had the Ruth thing of following up, going, "So Warren, thanks <laughs> for the podcast." But um, and it's gone down really well. Everyone loved it. How's Fraser? Uh, what you know? And um, yeah, I, I, don't, I get. I don't know. That one felt like it might happen, and they never did. And that was a big guy. That would have been great. That yeah. was a shame. Never mind. But um, moving on for the uh, moving on for the podcast element of of the questions that we've had, and we're, we're grateful for all of them. Will, again on Twitter, has asked us, and this, I thought this was a great question. This is a man who understands the kind of people we are. Absolutely. What squad would you have liked to have played in if you could? This is the can. If you, if, 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 you were, if you were good enough to play in any squad, it, actually, it's nothing to do with your ability. Nothing if, to if, do if, if you could, if, if you could have been a trialist or whatever. In, in no, st- if you could have been in the squad. I mean, we talked about the scenario game before. We used to sit yeah. waiting for the bus or whatever, home from Unhill, playing a game of going through the squad from 1 to 31 or whatever, and what you would do with each member of the team. Which of those squads would you most like to be part of? Fucking look at me. I, there's, there's too many to mention. Um, 
Well, I, look, well, if you go through the periods of time, I, I, I don't think any of us can legitimately say the first conference winning team because... because <laughs> it's got to be our era. We would have been children. Um, but I, when Danny Brown started talking about yeah, the crazy yeah. gang at the back of that coach and like that, was it Leo Rogier or whatever it was his name? Yeah, 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 yeah Tony. Yeah, that, yeah, that, all that kind of stuff and the, uh, the like, fucking Greg Hill's kids plastered all over the walls. It's like, fucking, come on! I don't know, that would have been... That would have been... Darren, imagine that. Imagine Darren Curry and Tony Cotty and... Like, that era was cool, wasn't it? <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I think when I saw this question, I, I found it quite hard to get away from the 0405 conference winning squad. However, how much would you have liked to have been? Martin Allen's house! A trialist. Yes! Jury. I knew you were going to say that! Martin Allen's <laughs> Martin Martin house party. How much would you have liked to have been part of? Imagine Martin Allen's house party. I would have loved to. I would have just stepped in the in the sand pit at the back. Yeah. Just I don't, I don't care. But like, imagine that waking up. Like some of the stories about waking up to Danny Maddox cooking burgers and stuff oh, like just, mate, just, that. Just just nonsense like that. But the the conclusion I think I came to when I thought about it was the the Danny Brown Darren yeah. Curry. The inf- I'd have just loved to have been on the infamous Dublin trip. Which we still yeah, never got the truth of. Well, Danny Naysmith was quite open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Names. No, we'll enjoy that. We'll enjoy that. What about you, Ian? Who do you want to play with? Well, I feel like almost for um, the squad, even though the Danny Brown one was the first one I thought of for this, that being part of the uh, the budget craze gang would be great. Um, but that sort of 07, 8, 9 sort of time of having a barbecue with Rob Beckwith yeah, and like, yeah. <laughs> getting financial advice from Ishmael Yakabu and whatever else. Like that 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 era would be uh, the most fitting because that's where I felt I belonged. But um yeah, I the 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 Danny Brown one was the one that sort of stood out for me. I think there's a question you've missed off your list. I'm looking at the screen now and I've got it in front of me here and it's worth a shout anyway. We've got a message on the uh, Barnet forum from some of you spoke out in the podcast before Underhill Bovril Stink who I like him. Whoever you are, because I genuinely have no idea, but we would love to have a Bovril or a pint <laughs> with you, because you seem like a great person. Or half a bitter. Um, so thank you for the really kind message, but there was a, uh, a message that they put on their question, which, who was your favourite rubbish player over the years? And he put, you know, the one who was completely hopeless, but you kind of rooted for. Uh, they went for Tony Taggart, which is a great shout, actually, for someone who, like... I remember the fans never kind of got on the back of and, and kind of got behind. So your favourite rubbish player over the years, but you you loved. I had a I had a, a shirt with Tom's. But was he rubbish at that time? He was the man. Well, for that pre-season, yeah. <laughs> the start of the season, York at home, he got a couple no, of goals. He was. Um, well, like really rubbish. I mean, who was really rubbish? I don't know. That you like. Mine would be Fraser Tom. I loved Fraser Tom. This is such an easy question to answer. Such an easy question to answer. Is anyone Clifford accurate? Yes! Thank you! (laughs) Thank you! Sir Cliff, yeah. Sir Cliff is obviously accurate. Who is another one, by the way, that we tried and. and Yeah, we got a message from. Semi arranged and then it just fell by the wayside. So sorry that never happened because. Did we never get on this back? I'm not saying we didn't get us back, but I'm saying like, we, <laughs> we still loved him. Like we were talking today, and, and I watched yeah. something about uh, Lincoln away when he won a header in midfield, and our, our good friend Jerry Cowan <laughs> celebrating it like a goal, <laughs> winning, winning a header and a two of defeat. 
Um, he was just great and, and forever will be immortalised by that goal at Rotherham. Like, oh, what what well, a moment. Yeah. And I think thank you to Sam C on Twitter who sent us the, made a gif of yeah. that goal. <laughs> he walks the ball in by accident. That was quality. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely cliff. Do you know, do you know what I said? Do you know what I'd say about people like that was that they were they flattered to deceive, if I can get my words out, but they they tried, they 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 did put they they did their best and and Cliff I think did his best, and it wasn't good enough. <laughs> but 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 that Rotherham goal, I mean, just an absolute <laughs> absurd state of affairs. That goal just just and the and the the, uh, the gif. Speak for itself. Giffing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, I thought you could have the gift that keeps on giving. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cliff Accurang by a long way. Um, we had a couple of questions around in in quite a similar subject from Trevor Nell, who has been a good supporter of the podcast Thanks, all the way through. So thank you very much. And Becky Spriggs is a name that I've not heard for quite a long time. Uh, Favorite all time Barnet moment. From Underhill, which it feels like this might take a while to answer. Let's try and be concise. I right, do you know what when they when when I read those two questions, they came in almost the same time today. Uh, I wanted to think of something different. So obvi- obviously you could have the title, you could have the Port Vale Centre moment was what I kind of almost went in rather than memory. And I thought, what's one that's like really poignant to me, really significant? It was, and we talked about it here before, the Chris Plummer. Graves end goal, uh, November the eleventh, two thousand three. Last minute, down to ten men. Didn't look like we were going to score. The not many people in the ground. The absolute fucking bedlam on the East Terrace when that went in. Uh, it put a second. We had a game against Chester the weekend to go top. Chris Plummer on a freezing, foggy night at home to Graves and Northfleet to win the game one nil in stoppage time. I, that 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 is Underhill to me. Moment <clears throat> Underhill to me, weirdly, will always be a collection of memories in the Northwest Terrace. Like that's like it's like super early time. But <clears throat> the plumber moment is, as I was thinking about it just now, as this question gets posed, is in there. Like it's like weirdly right up there. But um, maybe for variation or for you know, I'm gonna go with Sam Deering's cross that ended up in the garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to make it uh, two all against Chesterfield, and that was Mark Allen's first game back, the first time back. Uh, yes. And uh, when it all started feeling, it'd been so long since it felt exciting, and then somehow it felt like magic again, uh, in a way that you 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 know as a in your as an adult you're not always sure you can get very easily, and it but it did. Um, so maybe it's not only the best one, but it but it certainly well yeah I'm going with that one. I I found this one very difficult to think about, very difficult to answer. Um, you know, you, you talk about more or less anything from the two thousand and four five conference winning season, just about any moment like throughout the season. O three O four similarly has got a lot of moments. Yeah, the Chris Plubber goal definitely came up in my mind as 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 top. Um, you know, Simon Clist against Shrewsbury in the playoffs, yeah, yeah. all all yeah. like ending up on the floor in the East Terrace and all that sort of Leo thing. Um, Lee RMI, uh, Ian Hendon's penalty against Burton that season. Just like you, the, the the list of moments and memories from Underhill is endless. I think what I came to was it's not a moment unless you call ten minutes a moment. 
would almost be the last 10 minutes of Underhill. Yeah, yeah. Because... I almost tried to avoid that, by the way. But I, yeah, yeah I, I understand why. But the last 10 minutes of Underhill were so absurd, but so summed up what Barnet Football Club is as a, as a, as a football team. The fact that you're staring into the abyss. If you don't win the game, you're more or less relegated because <laughs> that was invariably the situation we were in towards the end of Underhill. Jake Hyde scores what turns out to be the last goal at Underhill. The stadium's packed to the rafters. The East Terrace goes nuts. And we still, as Barnet Football Club, find a way to almost conspire to throw it away by giving away a penalty in the last minute and then Graham Stack saves it like could you have written anything more like uh, uh, special than that could you have done it I, I, it was just a ridiculous moment I mean there's so many over the years any of the big FA Cup games that we had even though they turned out to be defeats but it's funny when you say Underhill memory and then when I say I read that and really thought about it and I think about remembering Underhill for me straight away it's dark floodlights are on mm. uh, I, I, if I had sort of a, a vision of the word Underhill or the words rather Underhill memory it, it's dark I'm probably still on the North Terrace from, which is from when I was really young I can smell hot chocolate yeah yes yes uh, they're playing right here right now by Factor Slim <laughs> on the Tannoy it's dark. There are warm-up balls flying at the North Terrace fence. It's fucking freezing. You can see your breath, and and that is Underhill. So it's not. It's not a moment. It's not a thing. But like, yeah. you know, that's almost a thing. And like, you know, alluded to before, going past the, where the ground was now, at certain points of, of walking past it, you, you could sort of picture there was that. There was that. There was that. It's those almost like little like internal but snapshots I, in time. But I've got you know. So <clears throat> I've got sunny kind of beginning or end of season Northwest Terrace with cigar and cigarette smoke in yeah. the air and peanut shells on the floor and Bovril kind of like on the go and 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 that kind of um especially being beginning of the season, that kind of uh, weird positivity that football fans get at the beginning of the season and everyone and this hope, this shared hope um amongst everyone. I so I you know, I can play both of them round like there's nights and there's days and there's whatever and and I, and I you know actually I'd hate to summarize Underhill by a moment or best moment it it was a it was a time it was a feeling it was a way of doing you, things. you're right and I think like the first part of the question we tried to answer like the moment part of it but the, Ian the way you described it there is absolutely right I think it's the, the feeling of walking through the turnstiles whether it was on the East Terrace or you know, subsequently the main stand or whatever. It, it's funny how to, how you sort of think of that over time. You know, remember bounding through the East Terrace when you were a kid. When when I had my first East Terrace experience, and just was that that was the point that hooked me. That was the point that got me in. I think it was the having a Waterlooville game in the FA Cup, where Wayne Purser scored that hat trick within four minutes or whatever it was to, and, and it was my first experience of a bundle. The the 0203 season was what it was, and then the 0304, you were going walking through the East Terrace like, "This is we're going to win. This is amazing." And then you get to the you get to the point where you walk through the turnstiles later on, and it's like, "Oh, not this again." 
because we're about to lose to whoever. But walking through the terrace, going to your seat, going to your spot, your spot on the terrace as well. All of those things add up to, I think, some of the memories that we spoke about earlier on. Um, Trevor now asks another question. And I suppose it's something that you probably think and you ask yourself all the time about who your all-time favourite Barnet player is, Ian. <laughs> I had to really want to go first on that. Like I said, before the podcast, Scott McLeish. Uh, that changed. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I've really thought about this one. I'm going to go Albert Adoma because I just think uh, he was like the main man at a time, quite a formative time as a, a young adult or whatever, where Barnet was really significant to me, but other people kind of getting involved and everything else and, and, and just and then having spoke to him and the time he gave us and last season when he scored a winner for QPR on telly in a game uh, I'm like celebrating the goal like it was a <laughs> whatever. yeah I'm, I'm going to go Albert which uh, is controversial Lee Harrison deserves a massive mention because I think he kind of the way he was with the younger fans when I first started going he'd yeah. turn around and talk to you sign your yeah. programme every week showed you what that can be supporting club like Barnet uh, because of Curry and Gratz as well but now we're Albert I'm going to be really boring and say the same thing I it's so hard there's so many and there's, there's players I love and whatever else but even I don't know it's weird after talking to, to so many it's not like the magic ever disappeared but it you, you I don't know you felt like you had a different relationship with so many of them. But even at the end of Alba, I still felt in awe and, 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 and a certain magic. And uh, for the time, you know, for the era it was and whatever. Scott McLeish again, big one. Darren Curry's big. Um, Lee Harrison Gratz, all these kind of people, like 100%. They're, they're fucking heroes, right? But, um, but Alba, just for so many reasons... Uh, the, the, you know, the honour of the man I don't know <laughs> he um, yeah just yeah I'm going to go with Albert uh, I'm not going to complete the tr- I'm not going to complete the triangle on this one it's an, it's, a, it's an open and shut case for me it's Giuliano Grazioli by by some distance um, given his contribution to the club as a player um, contrib- contribution as a manager and we have established quite clearly that he was the guy that kept us oh, up absolutely. that season yeah um, nothing to do with the, other one. the unmentionable um, and obviously you know the, the the podcast he did with us as well didn't didn't really uh, hurt his case Lee Harrison would be would be second to that I think and then yeah, Albert obviously is someone that holds a lot of great memories for us as well people like Ian Hendon Simon King yeah, 0405 players basically um, would, would be would be on that list uh, for me yeah, no, yeah, and lots of people. There's there's a lot of lot of worthy candidates in there, but 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 for me it's 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 uh, it's grats by some distance. Okay, well, uh, so moving on to the, the final set of the questions we've got here, we had two around away days from two really good contributors. So we had the first message from Richard Dubai Bees, who Craig and I remember from back in the day, Richard Gleason and his brother Fergus as well, absolute. Terrific blokes. Uh, thank you for buying us Missed them. underage beers back in the <laughs> Durham Street in 2005. I'm sure that's fine now. You're in Dubai, Rich, so no problem. Uh, but thank you for your support as well. 
when you're next back in the UK, let's make sure we have a pint. That'd be great. Uh, so Rich asks, if you could redo your favourite Barnet away day of all time next Saturday, what would it be? And Sam Collins, I think it is, who's a member of the BFCSA uh, committee, also asks us, give us your best away days then. I think... It's funny, this is one we tried to do as a, an episode. We tried to record a, an awareness episode which didn't work terribly well, so maybe a, a more succinct version of that will be good now. James. Oh, up. don't put me on the spot. How long have you got? How long have you got? I just, I, just, I always looked at away days in, in sort of two sections, if you like, because we always used to do like weekends away. Yeah, where we did we did Torquay a few times, we did Morecambe a few times, and it seemed to be those those two were really the destinations. And obviously, through your uni days, Ian, we did Nottingham a lot, which meant a lot of away games that would otherwise have been <laughs> unmemorable became memorable as a result of it. Best away days, though, in terms of the actual day out for, for, for our own. <laughs> For our own, that's apt. For our own sort of, I guess, self-indulgent reasons, Chesterfield <laughs> would be up there. So Chesterfield in two thousand and seven, Jason Norville scored a header for for um, to to win one nil at Saltergate, which was obviously their old ground. Uh, we're all a state. We're all, we're all like, um, well, what's it? We were all very pissed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and we all behaved in a way that was perhaps less uh, acceptable than perhaps it would be now. Um, that one would be up there for me. I mean, well, Ian, that, I mean, I don't know, Ian, maybe you've well, got... It, there, it, there is that, a video it, out there. The Chesterfield one came from nowhere. It was a kind of early season game. We started that season really well, actually. Um, and there was, I think, nine of us on the train, uh, rail placement, buses, all sorts of like weird little moments in the day. And it was almost like if you could design the perfect away day, you would do it that way. Like a, a gritty one little away with a better team um, with and just lots of getting away with silly things. I think we, we talked about the Dan White podcast a little bit, so we won't go into it all now. But that that was just like an absolutely obscene how on earth has this happened kind of day. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to get away from that in terms of anything anything better. The weekends were superb. I think the uh, Torquay and Morecambe era was fantastic. The the Torquay when we won one nil when Albert scored. No, no, Albert got the disallowed goal, didn't he? Albert got yeah. Um, no, he scored from the free kick. He scored the free kick directly. Yeah. That that was great in two thousand nine. Um, I think, and we've talked Gainsborough, Gainsborough in the <laughs> FA Cup in two thousand and six. I think. The, the question from Rich was that if you get up on a Saturday morning and do one mm. all the way through, if I think about the whole day and the, the different points, I think Gainsborough is the one I'd pick for just sheer humour, result, everything being just brilliant and funny and nothing going wrong at all in the way. The Chesterfield one was a bit more of a bumpy ride. Which, uh, <laughs> maybe now is not Ch- time Chester, to Chester, Chesterfield had it ups and downs and there'll be certain listeners who will be thinking about that game and uh, that day and... Uh, Shuddering at uh, with with fear at some some point of the, some of the things that happened on that day, uh, but I think that's one that's that's very personal to us. I think that some some of the best away days, again, come from where a big group of people come together. So yeah. like a big group of us like would travel together, and then you'd be bumping into other Barnet fans along the way, 
or in you end up in or in a pub somewhere where everyone's together. And best away day and best away game are different questions because we mentioned that the Carlisle three one, Aldershot three two, Halifax three two, all in that title winning season. Three of the best bonding games I've ever seen, but the day out and the memory. I was younger and I wasn't really like involved the same way. Yeah, because because you, you think you think about a game or an occasion, you think about like well Man United because you know that was something that was just obscene. But we all did it in our own different way. If I had to pick an if I had to pick a day and and the football and the occasion and everything else, it would be Swindon in the FA Cup because like the fact that there was. In our in our group, everybody every, everybody seems to come out for that. There was twenty five thirty people on the train, new faces, old faces, our faces, whoever it was, and then one moment that I think oh God, it has been mentioned so many times on this podcast. Adam Birchall's goal with five minutes to go. Is that one? Adam Birchall. Adam Birchall was another one that we could have got on the podcast, but never did. Um, but that goal, that moment, would be. I mean, right up there amongst all-time Barnet memories, I think. Um, which prompts me to think of Mark Hughes at Burton, by the way. Best Barnet goal at Birchall for me. Birchall's, Birchall's goal at Burton. I mean, I remember... In ending, terms of the, the reaction. I remember ending up about three rows in front. I mean, crazed glasses, your, crazed glasses went somewhere. Not unusual. Not <laughs> unusual. But uh, that, I think, Swindon away in the FA Cup would be my top away day. And I'd love to do that again even though it was 13 well, years ago. add one point to this. One of the questions, or part of that question was, what would you want to do on, you know, if it was this Saturday? Would you, fuck all of them, right? <laughs> the, I have not got the energy or the liver uh, capacity <laughs> to handle with most... I, they, the idea of trying to repeat one of them terrifies me, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but in terms, you know, if I'm looking back, so yeah, the, all the things you mentioned... Uh, there's only maybe well, so it's near my birthday now. Uh, as we record this, so order shot as you already kind of alluded to was a big one. The the uh, the one maybe that hasn't been mentioned that I would say was a good one. Remember uh, Brighton away in the cup, we won the shot, the six foot cuddly shot. Not big four nil, <laughs> but as a day out, as a fucking out. brilliant. Day was that out. the one where someone had an argument with Steve Percy? Uh, what was his name again? I can't remember. Yes, you're right. Someone did. Someone an argument. I can't remember. Was, but um, well, you're right. But uh, there is no debate amongst us about the best one. Chesterfield. Chesterfield is yeah, the best one. You can't. It's too much. Too many things. Too much. Yeah, Chesterfield. Yeah, I think Chesterfield is very hard to beat. To be fair. Okay, two more questions to go. One is from Will on Twitter, and one is from Dave Merck on Twitter, who submitted other stuff as well. And the time together. So Will is asking how do we get the hive feeling like Underhill which is something we've certainly brought up on there before and then uh, Dave Merck was asking about the positive and negative views of TK on the podcast uh, alluding to the fact that like Naysbit and Trezor Candle who deserved a mention earlier I thought for a good guest and they were very positive about him others were negative they kind of go together I think what do you reckon? (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to make it feel like Underhill Uh... It's the million dollar question. Uh, I'm not sure there's an answer. Try and make the high for that underhill. You don't try and make it something it isn't. It isn't underhill, and underhill by itself is nothing. It's the back to the same thing. You you make the high. You don't make the high feel like underhill. You make the high feel like Barnet Football Club. Yeah, and that's the the yeah. way to do it. That just hasn't been done yet, uh, and that's not one thing. That's uh, 
that's a combination of all the things that build an identity. Yeah, because I, I think it's fair to say that we have a a positive view of what Underhill was and everything else. But I think that's fair. But let's let's not forget that it wasn't perfect and it wasn't great and it never went that smoothly and everything else. And and towards the end, we 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 really were not that involved in it in the sense of. You know, it was the the football was rubbish and everything else. And I think you're absolutely right, Craig. You don't try and make the high feel like Underhill, but what you've got to do is, Ian. You you talked about all the people that were at Wildstone who were the younger crowd, who were very much involved in the club and chanting and all the rest of it. What do they have at the hive at the moment that gets them involved in in what they want to be doing? I.e., getting behind the team, support. Singing, chanting, all the rest of it. They closed the terrace behind the goal for for reasons which are, really. are, are, are a little bit unclear. As I understand it, it's a little bit around like they're going to redevelop that end of the ground, which yeah, for reasons. But not till next summer, apparently. But not till next summer. So, so give them an area to go to where they can create an atmosphere. Give to 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 do that sort of thing, which would replicate. What we had, i.e., going to the East Terrace, jumping around and singing and doing whatever we liked when we were, when we were young, you know, having that sort of experience. Because if you don't have that sort of experience, you don't really get the same level of level of satisfaction that we did out of it. You know, how did we feel when we first went on the East Terrace? We loved it, right? And they don't have that. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. I, 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 At the I hive? I, 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 they I apparently, someone was saying last week, one of the older ADB boys I was talking to, some of the young kids were singing about TK taking away their terrace. Which... They're piping now. I, 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 I mean... I don't know. I, maybe it is. I, the, the, the problem for me, as far as I can tell, is not only just that you've got to try and attract a new group of people, but you've got to try and keep people interested and I'm not completely convinced and it matters whether you're a brand new fan or a fan that's been going for 60 years there's not an awful lot about it's not it isn't the hive per se it's the club and the ground is part of that it's it's a bigger piece and to, to try and you know, we've discussed it before to try and isolate the problem to where we play and the ground is to to do a, 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 a I don't know a misservice a whatever is to underestimate the size of the problem the size of the problem is that um it doesn't feel like barney football club anymore where the location is is part of that well to finish off got a shout out got a positive is got a shout out got a positive to uh, end on um just people who've been really kind and said nice things was uh Daniel at Newland, who uh, we referred to before, said thank you for making his lockdown runs more interesting. Uh, we said Underhill Bovril Stink, who is just a geezer. We like we're, we're, what a great username. Or a geezer uh, rep. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, either or. Uh, Mitchell Snell, who we all remember from our days in the, on the coach. And, Legend. Uh, the in, in, the, in the Durham suite as well. Yeah, very, very kind, very positive, which was really, really uh, great to see. Lots of engagement from people like Hay Hive. And that was yeah, lots uh, yeah. things there as well. Um, Jeff Searle, I don't know who that is, but uh, <laughs> yeah. probably quite nice, probably not quite a nice man. Dave Merck, who had some questions, also said that thank you for the effort that's going to the podcast. You're more than welcome, Dave. Um, 
Jeff the ref, but it's got to get Jeff the ref. Yeah, Jeff the ref does a shout. He put me beer last week for that, so uh, <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Jeff the ref, for that. Lego. Um, Mouse, Pete Williamson, lots of people who've been very, Danny support, Hart. very supportive. Danny the Hart as a, as, as a, I can call him a friend now. I mean, what a, what a bloke. What a bloke. Yeah. It's just, it's just been great. It's been absolutely fantastic. From a, a stupid text 18 months ago of an idea to, to what it's become and, and whatever else. Like we, we've absolutely loved it. And, uh, look, if there was an opportunity for a live show with your likes of your mad dogs, your Barry Fries, whoever else, more than up for it. But uh, unfortunately, this is the last podcast from us uh, on these platforms. So look, thank you so much, everyone, for all the support, all the time you've given us, all the listening, whatever else. Uh, we hope to see you at some point at a Barney game again and uh, enjoy your beers together. Take care. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Robinson on. And there's goal of the season, Frank Murphy. Liliano Grazioli. Oh, absolute quality. I'm sure most people would say I was mad. It's so great. Second place. Lovely start from Curry. Not a bad.